Welcome back. Richard, it's good to see you again. Nice to, I was going to say, it's nice to be seen. It's good to see you too. Yeah, we're going to... You're having good weeks? It's, you know, it's getting close to the end of the school year. Um, <laughs> we're, we're, you know, well into um, testing season. And so uh, every day is a... Every day is a new day. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen at well, school. I don't, I don't know much about, I don't know anything about quantum physics or much about Einstein. Um, but he talks about time being compressed, which mm -hmm. I don't know what that means in his world. But in my world, you talk about we're almost at the end of the school year. I feel like we're just trying to get used to the school year because of the pandemic. You know, it's all the, you know, wait a minute, the school year is over, right? Yeah. And New Year's resolutions, we're on five. You know, we're ready to begin May. So if you haven't started your New Year's resolution yet, that's right. You may want to consider it. One of and our time has time has just taken on a whole new uh, concept this year. Has. One of one of my principals sent out an email the other day and it says there's there's just under thirty days left of school, thirty school days left. It's like, wow. There are schools that are going to be ending May twenty eighth. Some yeah. schools will be over on May 28th. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm sure we're not the only one saying, where did, where did this year go? Absolutely. And, you know, because it's because of the pandemic yeah. and this pandemic that just refuses to go away. You know, and, and once again, we're hearing about a surge in India and, right. and other countries that are beginning to experience a surge. And it, this, this thing just, just doesn't, doesn't want to let go. Absolutely. So, and, and after the year we had in, in 2020 and the way that things have been, you know, uh, a third of the way through uh, mm -hmm. 2021, I found an interesting article that we're going to talk about today where mm -hmm. it's, you know, we, we talked about, we, we talked about depression and we talked about, you know, uh, COVID fatigue and, and all of these different emotions and feelings that we're having because of all this that we're exactly talking about. Um, and this author refers to it a little bit differently. And I think that this, this is a really interesting notion and um, something that we should, uh, that certainly deserves some discussion. Yeah, we were um, kind of leafing through some articles, you know, just um, kind of as we do, sort of looking through stuff to see what's going on. And we ran into this um, article, it was actually written by a licensed clinical social worker. And it's a, she was writing an article about a study, an, an article that was written originally in the New York Times, but when uh, she, she being Elena Premack Sandler, um, was the author of the first article. And I just got a big kick out of the introductory comments that she made, uh, referring to Thursday as hit by a bus day. Right. And I think most of us have probably experienced that. Right. Um, where because of the pandemic and because of what it's done to our sense of time, and to our work week and our work schedule. Somebody said the other day, I, I, I just can't keep track of the days. I, I'm always thinking about what day is it? Mm -hmm. um, and so she calls, um, she calls Thursday hit by a bus day. She said she can make it through Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, but something happens on Wednesday and she just can't, can't continue. And uh, it's also become known as blurs day, which right. I think is an interesting way um, to put it. The other interesting comment she had, which uh, I'm have to get, going to have to use with my sister. She said, I'm able to do the detritus of adulthood, like take a shower and make food and straighten up the house. And, and I'm, I'm, I, I guess I felt that way many times. Yeah. I never heard it expressed quite so eloquently right. 
as we have to do the detritus of adulthood. So look up detritus if you don't know what that means. Um, so, you know, she said by three o'clock that she knew on Thursdays that things aren't going well because she could tell that she was getting cranky and irritable and snappy. And I'm sure she and I aren't the only two people who get that way at about three o'clock in the afternoon on Thursday. Yeah. By 4.30, I was done. And she said I was eating and watching TV at the same time. And she said, that's something I, I typically don't ever do is watch TV and eat at the same time. So after laughing through all that, um, she got to the point, which is this concept of languishing. She, she said, I finally found a descriptive term to explain what I, um, what, what she and, and no doubt others are experiencing. And yeah. she called it languishing from this larger article in the New York Times. Right. And that, that piece from the New York Times is by um, Adam Grant. And, and we, have, we have presented some of his stuff before. Um, but yes, this idea of, of languishing is really interesting because it's not a, it's not a descriptor that we're accustomed to using. We don't, we don't typically use that word, but the way that it is described in the way that it's talked about in these articles certainly fits with the way, the way that most of us feel and what most of us are experiencing because there's, you know, it's not really depression, you know, it's, it, it, we're not hopeless we're not you know sad we're not that um but it's just a um it, we're not really burned out you know as we're, we're going to work and we're doing things we have some energy and everything but my goodness there is something that's happening that is just wearing us down and languishing seems to be a pretty good term to fit yeah it really is because we, you have this sense that you're really not depressed. It's not clinical depression where you just can't get out of bed in the morning and you have no, uh, no there's no joy, there's no, and nothing feels good. Um, but on the other hand, you know, the other extreme between, if you put depression at one end and you put flourishing at the other, you know, where you feel good and you're getting things done and you just have a, a bright outlook, things are looking really good. Um, languishing is between depression and flourishing. And I think that's an interesting place to put it is that you're not clinically depressed. It's not a mental illness that you're experiencing, but you're just, um, you're just not working. You're just not functioning at full capacity. You know, there's just something wrong. And, and so um, Grant came up with this concept of languishing. Yeah. Um, and it, things like you're having trouble concentrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. uh, there's no excitement. You know, the vaccines came out. And you sort of felt some optimism, but then it faded very quickly. Okay? Yeah. Um, you have late night binge watching. Most of us uh, have been guilty of that, even those of us who typically go to bed early. Yeah. And, and then and it's interesting because it's a, um, it, it's sort of like time, uh, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier already, the time is feels so different now because it's like, I know I have to get up for work tomorrow morning, but I'm still staying up later than I should be staying up, just watching shows that really don't matter all that much, but it's, it's bizarre. Yeah, the, the Sandler at one point said she's watched National Treasure like 30 times. You know, she said, I've memorized the whole dialogue. I know every, all, all the scenes and all the script and everything, but you keep watching it, you know, because fill some void. So you're right, it's not, it's not burnout. Um, we have energy, 
So it's not the kind of burnout that, that we sometimes experience. And it's not depression because we don't feel hopeless. Right. That, that's not capturing it. But what we are feeling is, is a certain joylessness and aimlessness, right. which captures it. So, so he defines it as languishing is a sense of stagnation and emptiness. It feels as if you're muddling through your days, looking at your life through a foggy windshield. And it might be the dominant emotion of 2021. Yeah. And, and I, I think that this is important because, uh, like we said, I, there seems to be a lot of people that are experiencing this. And it's right. just, you know, we're kind of trudging through day after day. And, and you know, and, and I think that that contributes to the way that time feels like it feels like days are very long, but yet it's the end of April. Um, so the month is going by fast. But the days seem to just take forever. Um, and, you know, it's sort of like we all have this anticipation of something to come. So we have, again, it's not hopelessness because we, we're like hoping for this, whatever this, this deadline, this, this date to come. Um, but, but it's nonspecific. There's no, it's not like it's, you know, June 1st. As soon as June 1st gets here, everything is going to be better. It's not like that. And, and I think that it's, yeah, it's, it's wore us down right. emotionally. Um, and, and it's, uh, it's very pervasive. Many, many people are experiencing this. We are. And the other, the other thing I like about this term languishing, and, and he, he puts it further in perspective. He said, at the beginning of the pandemic, we were feeling, um, we were anguish. It was anguish that we felt. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, there was fear. Um, there was um, uh, the uncertainty of how does, how does this thing spread? Will I get it? Um, we learned that uh, through anguishing, we, we, we were anguished about it. We learned that masks probably were effective. Um, in fact, there was another report this morning about, about the value of masks in schools. Um, and so we knew that, that, and you remember the times when we were talking about scrubbing our grocery packages, you know, scrubbing packages, when we got things delivered. Yeah, I remember that people would go into grocery stores and stuff wearing gloves and, um, and yeah, they talked about bringing your groceries in and putting them in one room and going through and cleaning them all before you put them away into the, the main living area. Yeah, that was early on. Right, and so, um, so we learned what, what probably worked and what wasn't necessary. And so it, it kept us alert. There was a certain alertness in the early pandemic about how do I keep myself safe? What am I allowed to do? People would take their shoes off before they went into the house. They'd leave their shoes outside. They'd wash packages. They would social distance in a home. Um, and, and then so we developed these, these routines which helped us deal with our anguish, okay? But, um, but as, the, as the pandemic wore on, we entered a second phase where anguish became languish. And I, and I liked that transition right. because I think what we're going to see in the next, the rest of 2021 is we're going to have languishing that is going to become something else. It's going to, it's going to be, it's going to become something else. And the something else is probably that relief that we're all looking forward to. Right. And, and as you said earlier, you know, this is that in, in psychology, we, we love spectrums. <laughs> we love to say this is at one end and this is at the other end. Um, and as you said earlier, you know, the, when we think about the spectrum of depression and on one end and flourishing on the other end, 
mm-hmm. um, and languishing is there in the middle. Uh, I, I love the idea that languishing is the is the neglected middle child of mental right. health. Um, That's a wonderful, dis- <laughs> right. a wonderful description. Because yeah. we don't really talk about it all that much because it's not pathological. It, it's right. not, you know, creating, um, you know, um, where a person is, you, you know, it's affecting their functioning. Um, so it's not making people dysfunctional. It's just blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, languishing, it, it, it dulls your motivation, certainly. Mm-hmm. Okay. It disrupts your ability to focus. Mm-hmm. And it triples the odds that you'll cut back at work. Right. We're all working. Yeah. But most of us are not working at the pace, rate, intensity that we were working before the pandemic. I'm sure some of us are, most aren't. Um, so this, this concept of languishing, um, we're all feeling it. Now we have a word for it. Mm-hmm. The concern, the concern about languishing, and there is, there is one thing we have to be careful of, um, because there, there, there are some studies that have been done. Um, evidence from the pandemic in Italy, and you remember Italy was one of the first countries that was really hit by this pandemic. Thousands of people, especially in Northern Italy, were dying. Um, and so researchers went in and studied the, the uh, professionals, the uh, first responders in Italy. And it suggests that healthcare workers who were languishing in the spring of 2020 were three times more likely to be diagnosed with PTSD. Right. So languishing hit earlier mm-hmm. in Italy than it did here because the pandemic arrived there before it did here, at least the acute phase of the pandemic. Yeah. And so when you go back and look at the workers in Italy um, who, were, who were languishing, uh, they were three times more likely to be hit with PTSD than the normal population. So we might anticipate that right. same thing happening here, that languishing will eventually lead to PTSD. Yeah, and, and I think that the, the, the real issue, as you know, came from this article, is that you know, when you're in this sense of languishing, because you're not, you know, because it's not impairing your function, just your ability to function, and because it's not, you're not depressed, and you're, you're not any of those um, things that we think of as pathological, um, you don't really attend to and, and notice some of the other things that are happening, like right. your dwindling of delight or your, the, the decrease in drive. Um, you're, you're maybe spending more time alone um, and, and you're, um, you're indifferent to your indifference. Right. And so you don't really notice that you're struggling with these things because it, it's not so severe that it's impairing anything uh, and so you can get help right this this uh, particular segment of the article where he talks about you don't realize that you're in it you know it's like the parable of the boiled frog right you know where, you know you you gradually sort of you become indifferent it, it, you know that things aren't quite right you know that you're, you're sort of but you're not fully aware of it you're not so severely affected that you feel like there's something dreadfully wrong with you, but yet you know you're not functioning as you normally would, right. but you're not aware of it. And even if you do, you're, you're just indifferent to it. Right. You know, not, not in, in a depressed way, but um, you don't see your own suffering. Right. So you know, there's no need to, to do much about it, except that you end up with this feeling of, aimlessness or joylessness. Right. 
and it and it really goes against um you know in in in, in america we, we think about we always have to be upbeat we always have to be positive we you know when somebody says how are you doing i'm doing great i'm great today's great best day of my life <laughs> that's right um and, and i and i do it i do it at school all the time you know i can have like 50 million things happening all at one time and soon say, Hey, how's your morning going? I'm like, you know, it's so good. I, I couldn't even imagine it any better. I can't and, imagine. I'm thinking, I, I really want to just like, leave. I really want to go home. Um, right. but, but we do that. And, and so, you know, being honest and naming it, um, and we've talked about this many times before, identifying how we're really feeling and, and you know, naming it and, and you know, acknowledging it is so powerful. Right. Yeah, to have a name for it. Uh, to me, it was a relief just to know that, oh, that's what it is. You know, uh, we talked about the malaise early. You know, we did a podcast on malaise, um, but I like languishing, you know, <laughs> kind of languishing in the pool. Um, but you're right. To have a name for it really, really helps. I mean, that's a, that's a wonderful thing about naming what you have. Right. Um, and, and they said, honestly, I'm if you responded, I say, hey, Bernie, how are you doing this morning? And you would say, oh, I'm really languishing. Yeah, yeah. I'm really languishing. And then we got a conversation, you know, because um, he calls it toxic, posi toxic positivity, where you have to be upbeat, you know, and you have to be um, happy, smiling, and positive, because after all, I'm going to have lunch in Paris this afternoon, because that's what most of my friends are doing. You know, they fly right. around country having there. That's what Facebook says anyway. And right. so it is toxic positivity. Um, and we have to be upbeat all the time. But, I, but I, I'm going to start because you don't want to burden people with, right. Debbie Carr, you know, and say, right. you, know, um, you know, things are terrible. And you don't want to impose on people. And you don't want to tell the truth because then you'd have to charge them for therapy or something. You know, right. really want to know, but then I have to become a patient. Okay. So we have a name for it now. It's called languishing. Now, we so, need now, what do you do about it? Exactly. Right. So what do we do about anguishing? Yeah. And, and I like the, the first thing that's mentioned, and that's the, the idea of flow. flow. And, um, I, you know, I, I just listened to the, the um, audio version of Daniel Pink's book, uh, Drive. And um, Daniel Pink, I guess he, he knows or knew um, Mihai Chesetnihai. Is that how you say his name? He's the psychologist who came up with the idea of flow. Um, oh, Chicksamahaya. He pronounced it Chisetmiha. Ah, okay. it. But if you were to look at the, um, the sequence of letters that... Uh, <laughs> the whole alphabet. It is really difficult. I mean, you, you don't know how to pronounce I mean, when you, you can't phonetically break the name down. Right. Because we don't, our language isn't structured that way. Right. Yeah. How does he pronounce it? Chisetmiha. Just set me high. Uh -huh. And he, he pronounced his first name, Mihai, even though there's an L in there. Um, so, um, okay. yeah, but, but he came up with the idea of flow um, and this idea that, you know, when you're doing something that you become, that just absorbs you, just, mm -hmm. you just fall into it. Um, you know, the idea of time begins to disappear. The idea of what you're actually doing um, I have a friend who, um, when, when she's doing work, she'll say um, that she'll even forget that she, that anything is happening, that, that, that 
you know, because so focused that, you know, not paying attention to your phone, um, not paying attention to whatever else is going on because you're so absorbed in that task that, um, you know, the world is going on around you, but you're um, focused and in flow. Right. You know, one of the good explanations, one of the good explanations of flow was um, remember when Michael Jordan used to have those basketball games where he would sort of take over the entire game and right. score 80 or 90 points or something. And there's this famous picture of him just shrugging because even he didn't quite understand right. what was going on. And that was one description of flow. But I like your description because I've heard people say, I forgot to eat. Right. You know, a meal time went by, but I was so engaged, I was so absorbed that I forgot to eat. I've never forgotten to eat. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't know that, but you, you, my brother talks about that. Um, he, he's a musician and he would get so involved in his music that he wouldn't eat. Um, he, he would skip meals, you know, because he just worked right through it. Didn't bother him. So one of the things we want you to think about is what absorbs you, right? What can you get completely immersed in? Um, some people use video games. Um, some people binge watch, you know, binge watching a movie, <clears throat> playing a sport. Yeah. I can get pretty immersed when I'm golfing. I can pretty much forget about the, I don't golf often, but when I do, I get immersed in that and I can forget about everything else. Fishing does the same thing. Right. So what you have to, what you have to learn about yourself is what absorbs you? Where, where's your flow? How do you get the flow? Yeah. And, and one of the ways that um, mm-hmm. we're describing in that book to, to figure that out is um, is to set up on your phone sort of a um, there there are absolutely some different ways to do this but to have your phone go off at uh, random intervals over the course of a month or over the, or the week or so um, and each time it goes off your alarm goes off just make a note of what you're doing how you're feeling you know what mental state are you in that kind of thing and then you can go back and analyze that look at that data and you can find that what you were doing at times when you felt really good. Um, and the likelihood is that those are the types of things that you could be doing that will put you into flow um, and really engage. You know, I had a funny thing happen the other night. Um, we went to this short musical presentation, uh, not a musical, it was a music, live music event over a couple of hours. And I left my phone in the car accidentally and mm-hmm. I didn't feel like going back out to get it. It was a very different experience. Yeah. Because I, ha- I was able to focus on the music mm-hmm. and I was looking for things to do. Yeah. As, you know, who do I talk to? or Because it was, it was a venue where you could walk around and talk to people. And I thought, what, what am I going to Because everybody else was on their phones. Yeah. And I had nothing to do. Mm-hmm. And it was a, but, but it forced me to move to a different place. You know, right. to, and I thought, wow, most of us are engaged on our phones. Mm-hmm. But, and you can see that with people being, you know, uh, they're just, you can see a, a table of people, they're all on their phones while this music is, is being played. So what absorb, if you could put your phone down, put the devices away and figure out what, what, crab, what grabs you besides right. your phone, besides the cell phone, uh, what else can you do? Right. So that's the first thing is where do, you, where do you find flow? Yeah, and the second one is, is focus. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the, the idea that, um, fragmented attention is the, is the enemy of engagement and, and excellence is, is how yeah. it's put. And, and yes, the, 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 the idea that 
um, you know, to, and then part of, part of that I think is associated with flow is that it's, it's focusing on something, you know, whether okay. it is a specific task or it's a project or, or something, something singular, you know, focusing mm -hmm. on that and putting your attention and energy into that, that is going to help again, increase some energy and, and kind of get you motivated to do some things. And, and he, they also warn us about not trying to multitask because you can't, you have to focus on one thing. Um, the, the way the brain works is that you do one, it, it, it does one thing at a time. Uh, many people can, I think you're one of the few people who can do more than one thing at a time. You have that thing in your office about too many tabs open. Yeah. You know, because you have, I've walked into your office where you have a cell phone, an iPad, and two computers going. Mm -hmm. and most people can't do that. I think there's two or three out of a hundred are able to multitask. Most of us cannot multitask. Um, and so focus on what you're supposed to be doing. There was a study done about uh, some companies are doing what they call a no interruption policy and they bring their workers in and from eight until noon, roughly the first four hours of the workday, they mandate that nothing else happens but your work. You cannot be interrupted. There's no emails, there's no calls, there's nothing. 47% um, of people had increased productivity um, when they managed um, that focused attention on their own. But when the company said you must do it, 65% had increased productivity. And so um, we don't do a good job when we're left to our own because we tend to open emails and open texts and respond to calls. But when it's mandated, when the company said, no, you, you have this time, not that you have to do it, but that you're permitted to do it. You don't need to respond to emails. You don't need to respond to texts. You can just focus on your work. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? Absolutely. A no interruption policy. Absolutely. Yeah. The, and, and that's related a little bit to the next one, which is um, setting small goals. Right. And, you know, the, I, I think it's, it's very true that we, we love challenges, generally speaking. Um, and so when we set small goals that are challenging, that, that kind of push us a little bit, but they're achievable, they're, we can, we can uh, you know, accomplish them in, in a reasonable amount of time, we find much more drive, much more motivation to be doing whatever it is that we need to be doing um, because we have this target. Um, it's ideal for it to be self-imposed. Um, you know, if, if I tell myself I want to accomplish this much by the end of the day, I'm going to be, I'm going to have much more intrinsic motivation to get that done. Whereas if somebody else says you have to get this much done by the end of the day, I'll, I'll still get it done perhaps, but the, the, it'll be a different kind of pressure. Um, and it won't be the same kind of enjoyment energy as it will be distressing energy. Um, and so setting small goals for yourself that are um, manageable, but, but challenging and kind of push you a little bit is another great way to kind of overcome some of this languishing. That's right. So if you put these three together, you know, mm -hmm. if you think about flow, something that's really, really important to you, something that really absorbs you. So we're not asking you to, we're not asking you to do, you know, you and I have some uh, time, some deadlines right. that we're feeling the, the urgency to meet those deadlines. That's not what we're talking, that's not what we're talking about. Yeah. We're talking about something other than uh, your workaday world. Um, so find flow, whatever absorbs you, what, immerse yourself in something. Mm -hmm. Second, find focus. And third, set small goals for yourself. 
what he calls just manageable difficulty. Right. Um, what can you do that will, will make and give you a sense of accomplishment? Okay. So <clears throat> as we head into the post-pandemic reality, right. and there is going to be one, mm-hmm. um, we have to rethink our concept of mental health and well-being. I know that many, many of you are concerned about, am I depressed? Am I, you know, what, what, what is this thing that I'm in? You're probably not depressed, okay? You're not feeling up to par. You know that you have this vague sense that something is wrong, but it's probably not depression. Yeah. Now, because it doesn't mean that you're not struggling. Mm-hmm. It's, certainly you're struggling, but it's not the kind of depression that we worry about clinically. Yeah, I, I think that um, something that, that just kind of, came to my mind as you were, as you were saying that, um, is that I, I think that we might, it might do us well to consider the idea that we are already in the post-pandemic reality. Right. I, again, we're, we're sort of holding on to some anticipation of something to come. Like, I can't wait till we get back to normal. That's what everybody says. So we're, we're in this anticipation phase instead of a living for today phase. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're waiting for tomorrow that, you know, it has been going on for a year and a half. Um, but, you know, let's recognize that, okay, this may be the way that life is for a while, at least for a while, if not, who knows how long. Right. Um, it could be a lot worse, you know, um, mm-hmm. but, but let's think about how, how can we make today the best that we can make today instead of saying, I just want to get through today and see what tomorrow is going to bring because tomorrow is just going to be another today. Tomorrow's right. Right. And it's going to be groundhog day. You know, we're going to keep doing this for a long time and there's no way to accelerate it. There's no way to get to, we've said many times on this program, there is no new normal. Okay. There's, there's going to be another reality that we have to deal with but it's not a new normal. And there's nothing you can do to get back to 2019. Right. When people say, I want to get rid of my mask. Look, we all want to get rid of our masks. We all find them burdensome. We all find them to be a nuisance. You're not, you're not the only one, whether you like it or not. um, Everybody wants to stop wearing a mask, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's the safe, it's the easiest way to keep a lid on this, on making this pandemic worse. So just by, getting rid of masks isn't going to get us back to 2019. We're not going back to 2019. No. This, no. this, this flu, this um, illness is going to be with us for uh, at least a decade. Yeah. You know that, everybody knows that. Okay. Right. So there's nothing you can do to accelerate it. So, you know, you can complain if you want, but, but you're not going to accelerate this process. We have seen ourselves go from anguish to languish, and there's going to be a third phase. Right. And, and it, you're not going to create 2019 simply by saying, I don't want to wear a mask anymore. Right. Yeah. And you know, I think that that transition to whatever the third phase is after language is it will come when we are, are more um, comfortable with accepting where we are. That's right. Um, that, you know, this is just the way that we have to, that this is the way that life is now. Right. And, you know, accept that. And, and move on and, and live life. Uh, exactly. A lot of people yeah. living life. 
and acknowledge that you're languishing. You know, that don't be embarrassed. There's nothing wrong with it. Most of us are feeling it. I mean, I, we've all been touched by this pandemic in one way or another. I mean, either love it or hate it or accept it or reject it. Even if you reject the whole thing, you've still been affected by it. Okay, so we have all in one way or another been affected by this pandemic. And most of us are languishing. This has been a difficult year for most people. Um, if you have elderly relatives to take care of, if you have children to take care of who are in school, if you're dating or trying to date, if you if you like to go out to restaurants, I mean, all of us have been affected right. and we are all experiencing something akin to languishing. So yeah. it's okay to admit it. It's okay to talk about it. Um, it's okay to say, oh, I'm having a good day, but I'm still languishing a little. And that gives you a, 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 a common vocabulary uh, to discuss your current current state. Absolutely. So, so acknowledge it, recognize it, acknowledge it, and, you know, just move to that next stage of um, uh, where we need to be. So, all right. Well, I think that that is it then for today. All right. Okay. Yeah. Um, almost May. A couple more days and it's May, right? Here right. we go. Five more days. There we go. We're almost there. It'll be May. All right. Well, until next time. Stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid. <laughs>